In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. What would make me quit my job? during the pandemic? The short answer, injustice in America. But since I have a little time, let me give you the long version. In May 2020, protests broke out across the United States. George Floyd, a Minnesota man, was killed by a couple of police officers on camera. And hundreds of thousands of Americans had had enough. Like so many others, I watched the protests on the news. I watched as the crowd moved from downtown Atlanta to Buckhead, where I live. The protesters were right outside of my house, so in true millennial fashion, I took out my phone so I could record it and post it to Twitter. After logging the events, I called my parents, and as I was talking to my snook, which is what I call my mom, I began to get a little worried. The energy of the crowd was growing, and snook told me, don't worry, baby. When people feel that their voices aren't heard, they have to make it felt. Betches Media presents... Donald Trump was a a stain on our country. I'm someone's daughter. That's what I'm doing. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. The Betches Sup Podcast. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Brian Russell Smith. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast, where Twitter meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. The biggest topic today is that it is March. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. we are. I hate I talking about how it's been a year, but it has been a year. Is but, that how know, we're marking it? Like, I feel like there's been a lot of anticipatory anxiety about the anniversary, but I feel like this is the day. Now that we're in March, it's all sort of, I'm feeling it. Well, once March hit last year, like COVID became a daily conversation, even if we weren't yet locked in our homes. But I have this distinct memory of being in the office like three days. It was it must have been my last day in the office or my second to last day. And everyone was like slacking and talking about like, oh, it's an epidemic now. And Amanda was like, it's going to be a pandemic in like three (laughs) minutes. Don't worry. (laughs) She's like, it's you were like, it's just inevitable. I was like, oh, (laughs) fuck. okay." well, I think like, yeah, I think we like knew it was going to be inevitable, but it was like the time frame was weird. It was like, is it here now? It happened really fast when it came. It suddenly went from being like, this is going to be not that. Because, I mean, obviously, the beginning, they wanted to minimize panic a little bit. And then it was like, oh, no. Because we were, at the beginning of March, I remember it because we were trying to, we were, like, launching something that we were trying to, like, get coverage for. And we were like, man, everybody's just talking about this coronavirus. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. And then it was also... It happened in like four hours, like within four hours, like Tom Hanks got it. The NBA was shut down and then everyone was like, we're not going to work. Yeah. And and like office started, offices started closing, but it still wasn't like clear because I remember that was like a Wednesday. It was like time mm-hmm. for two week quarantine. <laughs> right. And then that Friday, like people were still going out because they were like, oh, it's just going to be over soon. Like it's not a big deal. But um, that was quickly shut down. Yes, yeah. I remember that. I remember. I that. had just gotten back from Mexico. I was in Mexico a year ago right now. I keep talking about this. But I remember birthday. it because yeah. I remember because it was my birthday and Elizabeth Warren dropped out on my birthday and I yeah. cried on the beach. 
for the yeah. margarita because I was drinking. I was day drinking. And then oh my God. we like flew home. And then and then like three days later, I was like, oh, yeah, it was probably not safe to be in an airport. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Still, still isn't. Still isn't. Still isn't. Yeah. We fully uh, were flying on like, I believe it was March 8th. We were flying back um, from somewhere. And I remember like not wanting to touch anything and like yeah. seriously like like cleaning my tray and I did. not I, that I it even everything. mattered mm-hmm. yeah right and we're all just like circulating each other's contagious germs yeah exactly that beginning period was absolutely traumatizing so to really get into was. the show since the beginning of this podcast in, in recent weeks has turned into a vent about irrational vaccine reluctance corner so i wanted to give an update on that front i read this morning that currently there are not enough Americans who say they won't get the vaccine to keep us from achieving herd immunity. Hopefully that made sense. Basically enough people are now like, okay, I'll do it, that we will reach herd immunity whether the remaining people come around or not. To be clear, that is based on projections that people will continue to come around to vaccination at the same rate as they have. So this is not permission for you to sit around and wait even when it's your turn. Uh, But according to Kaiser, 57% of adults either have already gotten at least one dose or say that they will. That's a scary number. That's the number I don't like. That leaves 43 that don't know. But there are 22% that say they want to wait and see and see how it's working. That latter group has been shrinking really fast as more and more people have been vaccinated for reasons you can understand. People are seeing their friends and family get vaccinated without any disaster. Nobody's turning into a lizard. The spread of the virus is slowing. People are seeing that it's happening. Yeah, exactly. Anyone I know who is hesitant about the vaccine, it has to do with pregnancy because they're either like trying to get pregnant and they're just like, I'm not sure about that like Mm -hmm. element. But everyone I know who is not pregnant or has no like reason to be concerned is go is going for it. But like also we live in a bubble. So we do. We do. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. 
and you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. So first topic today, we're going to talk about Governor Andrew Cuomo. A second woman has accused New York Governor Andrew Cuomo of workplace sexual harassment. We talked about last week, Lindsay Boylan accused the governor of inappropriate touching and just a whole spectrum of inappropriate behavior, really kind of a masterclass. Now, Charlotte Bennett, who was an executive assistant and health policy advisor in the Cuomo administration, so really involved in pandemic stuff has accused him of inappropriate behavior in the workplace. So during the height of the pandemic in New York City, she says Cuomo would ask her really inappropriate questions about her personal and sex life, including whether she was monogamous, whether she had sex with older men, super creepy ass questions. Yep. Not okay. No, no world in which that's just a fun question to ask. Uh, Bennett is 25. Reminded that Cuomo is 63. He's also single. So there's an extra predatory layer to that. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a not all men thing. But after a few. So after Lindsay Boylan came forward, Cuomo had largely just been denying everything. And after Bennett's statement, he started to acknowledge it. So he came out with a statement uh, throughout the weekend that he elaborated on. Here are some of the things that he said. I acknowledge some of the things I have said have been misinterpreted as an unwanted flirtation. That hurts to say. To the extent anyone felt that way, I am truly sorry about that. He went on, at work sometimes, I think I am being playful and I make jokes that I think are funny. I have teased people about their personal lives, their relationships, about getting married or not getting married. But he maintains he never inappropriately touched anyone. And just want to be super clear, when men deny accusations, that means they're saying that women are lying. So by he's saying he never touched anyone. And so he's accusing Lindsay Boylan, who says he kissed her and touched her without her consent of lying. That statement is something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cuomo is just kind of like an old-fashioned asshole is when you think about it. Like his whole approach to clearly workplace relations, um, his threats towards the Queen's congressperson. I, I think that's his mm-hmm. position yeah. or representative. Yeah. Like those are just like old masculine asshole tactics that used to be normal or not okay, but they were common and normal in the workplace. And I think that he clearly has not like picked up the appropriate way to act. Right. He's, his apology is basically like, I'm sorry that that my inappropriate comments made you feel uncomfortable. I'm yes. sorry that the way my actions made you feel. He is not apologizing for his actions. He's actually he's which is the most the worst fucking apologies. It's like, oh, I'm sorry that you were offended by something that I said. He literally said, I'm sorry right, you felt that is, way. I'm sorry you were offended by me. He said, to the extent anyone felt that way, I am yeah. truly sorry about that. That's just a somewhat fancier version of I'm sorry you felt that way. When I'm you sorry, phrase it like that, it cancels it out. Yeah. Cancels out the apology before that. So it's 
it doesn't mean anything. And like, there is no work environment that is ever appropriate. Like you can ask about people's personal lives. Do you have a boyfriend? Are you in a relationship? Are you seeing anyone? Oh, okay. That's pretty much as far as you can go. You can't. Yeah. In no situation. Especially if you're a 63-year-old man. Yes. Talking to a 25-year-old exactly. woman. Exactly. And you're the governor. You can't ask about someone's sex life. It can't be ignored that he's the governor of New York. Like, that's mm-hmm. obviously a very powerful position. And when you're, like, just starting your career, you're not going to, like, want. You're, you're going to go along with what the governor of New York, who you th- probably think is going to do things above board, you're probably not going to like immediately necessarily question it. Or even if you feel uncomfortable, you're going to like want to write it off because you're not going to want to make a big thing out of it because he's the governor of New York. And it's like, this is happening during the heights of the pandemic when everyone is tuning into his press conferences, like loving him and he knows it and he loves it. And so he's riding on a high and I'm sure He's single and taking that into every aspect of his life. You know what I mean? There's no way. That's the part that's so brazen about it. Like he was the, there was no one in the national spotlight more than like him and Trump and Fauci in at that time. Yeah. Why would you then not be like on your absolute best behavior? Especially it's not like this is pre me too. It's not like you've never, it's not like this is the first time someone's cluing you into that these are this is not appropriate like because you know i think you definitely have heard that excuse before it's like there is it makes no sense almost i think that he was so hyped up and high off of it he was delusional and thought oh this 25 year old girl is gonna think i'm hot shit so i'm gonna be really inappropriate with my subordinate and she's gonna love it and he, because that's the way these people think they think that they like why wouldn't they want to like these men, like these men, can't fathom why a woman wouldn't want to have sex with them. I it's mean, he like, could have easily gone on a dating app, or like, <laughs> right? Yeah, or someone could have set him up. Like, yeah, yes, I'm sure Isn't there are a lot of women who are like, who are like down he, at the time. He can date a 25 year old woman as long as it's consensual. Yeah, and he doesn't work, for, and she doesn't work for him. It does. That's fine. There would have been twenty-five-year-old women who would have. Yes, done. there are of lots of dating apps for mature singles. Yeah. There's our time. There's there's like silver singles. There are plenty of places for him to go. Yeah, throughout all of this, even as he's been getting more critique for criticism for the nursing home stuff, he just feels he's just like the most entitled motherfucker. Like somebody asks him a question, a challenging question. And he's like, how dare you? I saved this town. And it's like, honestly, what you were doing was the bare minimum at the time. And we just were comparing you to a president who was doing like actively working against it. I mean, he wrote this book. I feel like we're getting to resignation territory. What do you guys think? I don't think he's going to resign. I don't think he's going to resign. As soon as I said that, I was like, I cannot imagine Andrew Cuomo saying those words. I could see people trying to, it it depends on, like, it depends, it depends on how far the Democrats and the state government want to push him out. You know what I mean? It depends, like, there, you are seeing a lot of people, like, calling for the investigation and all that stuff. But even into the nursing home situation, it's just, you know, both of these things at the same time. However, I do want to point out that Cuomo is also a result of nepotism, as we all know, is a fun theme to think about. Um, right. His father was governor of New York, too. <laughs> right. A few decades very ago. His, his, and now his brother is like a very he's the primetime spot on the one of the biggest news networks. So it's like, hmm. Yeah. You no, know, it's all like 
Yeah, we won't be hearing about powerful. the nursing homes from nine to 10 on CNN, I don't think. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's like he he is not. I think this is just going to like soil his name, but I don't think he's going to actually have like serious consequences. I don't know. I could be wrong, though. Yeah, I think I mean, if anything, it's going to be the nursing home situation. I don't think I, I think that like obviously he's made this he's called for the investigation. He doesn't think that this is going to be something that takes him down. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I think he doesn't. I think the nursing home situation very well could. Yeah, he's looking. There was like the, the New York Times, like their local New York newsletter. It's one of my favorite newsletters. But this morning they made the subject line Cuomo under siege. And I was like, he's not under siege by women. It's like he he harassed people in the workplace. What do you mean he's mm-hmm. under siege? And I... that's how he's probably looking at this frame. This is like, oh, poor Oh, poor me. But it is wild that even in 2021, like two super credible allegations of sexual harassment that this man has like such a persona about him that we all know, like he's not going to step down and the process for removing him. I don't think anyone's going to undertake that. If he would do this knowing exactly, but knowing like the post me Too vibes, like that you have to be super careful. Like, just don't ask maybe those questions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then knowing that you are like number one high profile person in the country at the moment, it just seems like brazen and dumb. What he did is like literally when we have to watch those like sexual harassment training videos and they're so ridiculous because the guy's like, I would fuck a 22 year old. It's literally what he did. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is. Like it's the Pretty worst oh thing you could have done. Does he does he not have to watch those videos or did he watch you be like, that's a good approach, man. I should try that. <laughs> I feel like it was just who he maybe those videos are not as outrageous as we think. Maybe, <laughs> maybe those videos are like accurate. And the yeah. more like yeah. majority woman and gay men office. So like we're like, who would do that? Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Like I, I I've never worked in an office. So I'm like, I can't even imagine someone apparently but it does get that bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, so much. It's really tough to come forward as we've discussed because of his persona. So, so grateful to Lindsay and Charlotte that took a lot of courage. Lindsay Boylan has been talking about this for months. So I'm glad there are now some power in numbers. Now let's talk about the COVID relief bill of our 440 episodes of the SEP. I don't even want to know we spent talking about fucking when Congress might pass COVID relief. It's so annoying. But now with a Democrat in the White House and a sort of Democratic controlled Senate, things are moving, hopefully. So the House of Representatives has passed the $1.9 trillion COVID relief package that's supported by the White House. It's the American Rescue Plan. The biggest portion of this is the $1,400 per person checks for most households. The second biggest portion, I believe, is an extension of jobless benefits, which are going to expire on March 14th. So these are just the things that people are already relying on to make sure they won't go away, the jobless benefits at least. And the rest of it is mostly aid to state and local governments, and that includes money for schools as well as testing and vaccination. Without this support, states are going to have mass layoffs, and there's going to be even more unemployment. Uh, they're going to have to lay off cops. So we're defunding the police oh. if we don't if we don't pursue this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not a single Republican in the House voted in support of the bill. Most of them have claimed throughout the weekend that it was full of unnecessary spending, that it's a socialist wish list, blah, blah, blah. A reminder that it cuts child poverty by about 30%. I was even seeing figures up to 45%. It makes an incredibly meaningful dent in 
child poverty. It would bring 12 million people over the poverty line. And that's what Republicans call unnecessary spending. <laughs> who, eh, eh, who cares? No, let's just like buy a fighter jet that never is used. Yeah. Or, yeah. Maybe if maybe if they like had the children be making guns and stuff and bombs, then they would be like, oh, that money makes sense. Right. The kids need money to buy their guns. <laughs> well, now that the minimum wage is raised, they're like, fuck it. Keep them poor. <laughs> right. Exactly. Although it's well, not going to be raised. We'll see. We'll, yeah, not, we'll see. It yeah. has to at some point. So this sort of pretends that not a single Republican in the Senate will vote for the bill. This would start Biden's presidency, which he really promised to commit to bipartisanship off with a massive spending bill with zero Republican support. That's not a good look for Joe Biden. But that's exactly, I think, what Republicans want in this situation. I don't I don't think anyone who voted for Joe Biden thinks it's a bad look for I Joe agree. Biden. Like like it's only yes. not a good Thank look you. in like yeah. um, like meet the press. Like no one cares. Yes. Like I voted like, for Joe Biden. <laughs> but yeah. when he passed that COVID relief bill without Republican support, I wish I voted today. for Trump. Yeah. Is that framing? So like is the goal of Republican objection to stop unnecessary spending and to really watch the deficit and make sure we're not spending money that could be better spent later? Or is it to just make Biden look like a far left partisan right out of the gate? It's it's to do that. It's to make him look like a far left partisan. But like, then I'm just like, who cares if he looks like a far left partisan if he's doing things to help people? Yes, thank you. Yeah. That's, like, that's where I've been they landing. And I mean, it's just, you know, history repeating itself. The Republicans way of like legislating is obstructionism and especially when democrats have power the same thing happened with obama eight 12 years ago they, they were like we're just not gonna let we're just gonna like clog it up and try and get nothing accomplished while he is president so we can be like look he's not getting anything accomplished and that's just what they're going to be doing like and for everything for everything so just the beginning this bill actually does have a ton of bipartisan support, just not in Congress. In the rest of America, it does. 70% of Americans support the bill, the entire bill, including a lot of Republicans. And the $1,400 checks are even more popular. Those go to Republicans and Trump voters, too. This is the most popular piece of federal legislation in 15 years since a minimum wage increase in 2007. And my favorite fact to bring up is that the 50 Republicans in the Senate represent 41 million fewer people than the Democrats. So when we're talking about bipartisanship and compromise, we are not talking about compromising with what half of America believes. It's very important to constantly state that that is not. And Sammy, as you're talking, it's like I consume this media, too. And yeah, it's like I'm watching Dana Bash on State of the Union saying to Democrats and Jen Psaki, like, well, why aren't you being bipartisan? It's like, come on. Yeah. Okay, well, that comes from an era where these things mattered to anybody and they no longer matter. And if the media wants to not catch up and wants to, like, essentially carry water for the Republican for the Republican talking points, then, like, they can have have at it because <laughs> they, they think it makes them seem fair or, or balanced or whatever. But, like, no, in my opinion, it just makes them seem like they're not paying attention to facts and reality about the way that the Republicans govern and what Americans need. Because they want even and what they say right, they want. Yeah. And also, even, okay, even if you had, quote, unquote, bipartisanship, the Republican senator, the Republican senators represent 40 million fewer people, fewer Americans than the Democratic senators. So you basically have like one eighth of the country that is being underrepresented, underrepresented, basically. Mm -hmm. So it's like, 
plus DC. I don't care. Like, I right. mean, obviously, like we're we're obviously clearly like coming from a very progressive point of view, but like, won't it matter to the electorate to get the things that they need and want more than it will that like they follow these procedural years, rules yeah. that no one pays attention to? Mm-hmm. No one cares. So this is going to go to the Senate. What's going to happen there? So the minimum wage increase is probably going to go away. I don't think we've recorded since the parliamentarian advised that it didn't meet the standards for budget reconciliation. The other thing that could come out, so it's possible that moderate senators like Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema will try to target the $1,400 checks more. By target, they just mean uh, give them to less, fewer people. (laughs) They want to set stricter standards for who gets them. We've talked about on the SEP a lot that somebody's salary does not always represent how much money they have for their expenses or just to live their life. Um, It's not a good measure. Maybe 75K is fine in Arizona and West Virginia. As we said, some jobless benefits will expire March 14th. We're in March. That's two weeks from now. So they're hoping to have this all done with the president's signature by then. So we've been talking about how Democrats need to like have confidence in their majority, even though it looks slimmer than it is. It's deceptive because of the way our government works. Should Democrats, so we're going to face a lot of opportunities for Democrats in the Senate to do things differently and to shake stuff up a bit. A big opportunity to do that was, I guess, is now, which is should they have or should they ignore the parliamentarian here and force the $15 minimum wage in there somehow? I mean, obviously, I think they should, but like they're not gonna. Um, right. <laughs> like, that should like, be the subhead <laughs> of this podcast. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, I can see why um, it might look worse to to do that. Like, it does look a little bit, I don't know, who even knows what the Senate parliamentarian is? Right. Like, I know. Like You I, can just see how thing. Republicans it's... are going to, we live in fear of how Republicans, I was talking to somebody about this in the DMs, and she made a really interesting point. She's like, they should teach a marketing class on Republicans. Like, they are the most genius marketers because, yeah, they, I actually think they can take something as, like, little and weird as us overruling the Senate parliamentarian within the first two months, and then come 2024, they will have made that sound into some very compelling argument for their base. Benghazi. But they're going to do that anyway. They're going to do that with anything right. we do. Right. Even if you play 100% fair and you do everything, like, so timidly, they're still going to make something out of something. So it just doesn't even matter. So you just do whatever the Democrats should just do whatever they want that will help people. And the results will show. And yes. hopefully it'll make the Democratic electorate feel like they were stood up for and they'll vote for them again. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you can't just tiptoe around things. I just think like it really also highlights what is important for them to do next is to expand voting rights as much as like they can in these next two years, because the Republicans are going to be trying to do the exact opposite on like in, in the state levels and all of these and all of these like state legislatures that are Republican controlled, like in, I don't know, like Texas, for example, like we have to worry about the what they're going to be doing to make this 41 million fewer exactly. people even more like. Because that is what could potentially happen. And that's what they want to happen. That's the only that's the only way they can see a path forward, really, at this point, is to disenfranchise people. Right. Up, it's been uh, yeah. heading that way for a while, but now it's like official. Yeah. yeah. That's why I think, I mean, voting rights and HR1 is the place where you get rid of the filibuster. I think that's the thing that like history, you have the moral high ground that history will remember. Like 
I think with voting rights for a minimum wage increase, it's a little harder. Like, oh, you just you change this like longstanding Senate rule for, for that. But when you're talking about literally making sure like the founding idea of America, that people choose their representatives mm-hmm. uh, is is safe. And like, I think that that's pretty unimpeachable. And that's the way like, to go, what's which the is argument against it. There's no <laughs> argument against it. I mean, Republicans are going to use the same arguments that they used and still lost in 2020, which is that there's mass election fraud. They still lost. And that yeah. law doesn't the the new vote. H.R. one does include things to try to address gerrymandering and all of that hey. shit. Democrats have gerrymandered, too. It's not mm-hmm. it's a bipartisan thing. Yeah. <laughs> also, Trump mentioned H.R. one in his CPAC speech. So clearly someone's been educating him about how, like, he probably has no chance of winning in le- if, mm-hmm. if that does pass. Like, that's probably the first like name of legislation I've ever heard him refer to. <laughs> so clearly someone's <laughs> teaching him about, like, his chances and what would increase or decrease them. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's a reason. I guess I know Congress has some stuff to do, but I would suspect that Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema aren't going to have any problems with that one. I would hope. Well, we'll see. see. That is our show until the end of democracy. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Brian Russell Smith. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betcha Sub Podcast. The Betches Sup podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Our podcast director is Sean Kilby. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches. Betches.